this morning on a really a, a very uh, deep uh, topic, and that is really the, the very nature and the essence of God Himself. Uh, so this morning, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that I believe uh, encapsulates um, the, each person of the Godhead and their role of salvation. So I, I really titled uh, this morning's message, Praise God for His Glorious Grace. Uh, preparing a sermon on eternity obviously has some immediate difficulties. For one, the word itself is not a biblical word. You will not find the word Trinity in Scripture in either Old Testament or New Testament. And really, the doctrine itself was not formally stated until the Council of Nicaea and the Council of Constantinople in the 5th century AD. Um, and second, when studying the uh, Trinity, you're, uh, what we're trying to do is we're really looking at the very nature of God himself. And um, so first of all, I mean, God is incomprehensible. That's, that's one of his attributes. Like, we will not be able to fully understand everything about God. That really includes God himself. Um, but um, God, what we know about God, God has revealed to us through his scripture. And the doctrine of the Trinity, especially in the New Testament, is, is very evident, as we'll see in this passage of scripture this morning. Uh, the point I really want to make is... Um, how it's, it's so important, like understanding the, char- the character and the nature of God is so essential to our salvation and, and so essential to our worship. Um, and I say that because, I mean, there's so many misunderstandings of who God is. I mean, just last week um, in, the, in the just primetime news I was watching and the story came on and it just it shook me so much. And the story was uh, a doctrine that has been developed out of the progressive church of the, the doctrine of the transgender God, claiming that the Trinity is somehow a way of God expressing himself and identifying himself as, self as three different gods. And that's, that's such a blasphemous statement. Uh, so I just want to, I mean, I just bring that up to point out, like, the, the way we understand who God is affects the way we worship him. They are not worshiping the true God. And so it is so essential to be, understand the very nature of God. Um, I chose this passage this morning in Ephesians because um, it's, import- it's an important Trinitarian passage, for one, because it relates to each person of the Godhead as it relates to the salvation of the church. And secondly, um, it relates to your salvation, and by implication, there is no salvation or hope apart from the Godhead, apart from the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And thirdly, it's really a matter of worship. Um, as we will see, this, this passage calls all those who have experienced the salvation to praise God for his glorious grace. Uh, so we, we, want to, we want to be put in our proper place um, as people who are offered, who can offer nothing to God except our sin and our unrighteousness. And um, God has offered us Christ's righteousness and his son's uh, righteousness to us. Uh, so let's begin uh, reading in verse 1 of Ephesians uh, 1, 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. 
with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when times reach their fulfillment, to bring to unity all the things in heaven on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, may, might be for, uh, t- for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, of the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, before we move, go any further, let's pray and ask God to help us understand this passage. This is a large passage, and we really need God's help. Um, Father, uh, you are the holy God. Um, you are uncomprehensible in our finite minds, uh, and Lord, we are humbled by that. Uh, so Lord, I pray this morning as we gaze upon your glory your glorious work and your plan of redemption and your accomplishing of, of our redemption and the preserving of our redemption, Lord, I pray that we would come to worship you as we ought. So, Lord, help us now this morning, and we pray this on Christ's name. Amen. Um, so, Paul, um, uh, Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, and really, if I could put a main theme uh, to, to this passage, I would say that we are to praise God for his glorious grace. And that really comes from verse 3. And just throughout the whole passage, these, these are the, the points I really want to focus on. Is I, uh, I really think this passage is pointing out the gift from the Father, um, the gathering into Christ, and the guarantee uh, by the Spirit. And we'll see that in, in these three sections. And I thought appropriately, appropriately to, since we're on the topic of the Trinity, to have just three points and no more. Um, so... Um, so uh, first of all, the, the gift from the Father. Let's, let's really uh, um, dive deep into uh, what the Lord has, us, has to say uh, in verse number three. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. I think there are some immediate questions and, and uh, things that we can point out in this passage. One is the, the person, and who, who is the one being blessed in this verse? And I, I really think there, there are two people here who are being blessed. One as I really think it, ca- it captures the whole thought of this passage, is praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word praise here uh, really comes from the word where we get eulogy or giving a good word to, and it's, it's really a, a uh, word that captures the, the essence of how we worship God. Like, God is deserving the good word and the praise that we give him because of everything else that comes after this verse, right? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the second person who is being blessed here is, is us, is the church, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Um, here also, I, I just want to reference the, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ here as, as being the Son of God. Um, from the very start of the church, the confession that Jesus was Lord was upheld even by Peter in Acts, um, Acts 2.36, um, when he speak, speaking to the Jews at Pentecost, therefore... I'll let all Israel be uh, assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, the Lord and Messiah. So when, when Paul is using the word Lord Jesus Christ and using the word Lord and, and Christ, he's really referring that Jesus is the promised Messiah who is fulfilling, uh, giving, uh, he's providing salvation, the salvation that God has promised to mankind, the salvation that God has promised to his church. This is the Lord Jesus. Um, so let, let's continue on. 
who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. So what, uh, what is the purpose? Why is the Father, um, or sorry, what, the place? I mean, uh, what, what, where, are these, um, where are these blessings? Um, or sorry, what, what is the Father blessing us with? He's blessing us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So what, what does Paul mean when he uses the word spiritual blessing? I think it really, if we can contrast it, I mean, it's, a spiritual blessing is really the opposite of material blessing. Paul is not talking about a material blessing. That the, the purpose of salvation is not to give you the car you've always wanted, right? Um, I think this is a really common um, gospel, so-called gospel that we even hear in Detroit often, right? I mean, you, you believe in God, and he'll give you um, everything that you can fathom, right? He'll give you all these material blessings, and that is not what the purpose of salvation is. And that is not the blessing that God desires to bless you with. He desires to bless us with something far better. Something, I mean, material blessing is great, um, but there's so, I mean, it's so futile. I mean, they'll pass away. I mean, you never see a hearse with a U-Haul on the back of it, right? I mean, you can't take things with you uh, when you die. Uh, so when Paul is using the word here, spiritual blessing, he is, he is using this as as expressing all the blessings that we experience through the Holy Spirit. And so from the very onset of this verse, we, we see the, the, the Trinitarian pattern, right? We praise the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with spiritual blessing. Um, so spiritual blessings are eternal. They're, they're, um, they, they can never be taken away from us. Um, um, and so through the, Spirit, uh, through the Spirit, you have also been given wisdom. These are just uh, some examples of the, of the blessings that we are given by the Spirit. We've been given wisdom. Uh, we've also been given um, the, being equipped for the serving of the saints. These are just, just some of the blessings that we have been given by the Spirit. Um, and lastly, uh, on, this, on this point, the, the place. Where are these blessings uh, being um, experienced? And the text says that we, uh, these blessings are in the heavenly realms. Uh, these supernatural and spiritual blessings are, are given in a supernatural and spiritual way, uh, by the uh, by being incorporated into Christ Jesus. I mean, this is this is um, this is not something that we can do ourselves. It is a work of God uh, to be able to administer these spiritual blessings, and He does so by incorporating us into Christ Jesus. So, in, in summary, each believer alive today has been blessed and enriched with every spiritual blessing because we have been brought into Christ. Um, so in, in verse 4 through 5, I, I just uh, the next point is, um, to, to, uh, wh- I mean, why, why did the Father choose to bless us, right? Um, and he, di- he did so, whoop, um, he did so um, bec- because of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in, in Christ. So, um, uh, and um, the, the, I think I messed up one of the points, but it's all right. So I want to focus on really what, what is the method in which God has, has chosen to show us this blessing. And uh, Paul says in verse 4, if you have your Bible with you, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his good pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given in the one he, um, he loves. Um, so I think uh, this passage, I don't have it on the screen, but I really think this passage delves deeply into one of the most important um, um, uh, 
the truths about salvation, and that, that, that is God has chosen his people. Uh, the method in which God has chosen to show his blessing to the church is by him choosing his church. Um, so when did the Father choose us? It says that he chose us from before the foundations of the world. That's, that's a long time, folks. I mean, before uh, we were ev- even existed, God has set a plan in motion to save his church and, and to save you who are in Christ. Um, and uh, there, there's really two maybe reactions that you may have to this truth. I mean, I'm, I'm just dealing with the text, really, really, really what the text says. And there's really two reactions we can have is, um, I mean, we could maybe take the position that um, God is sovereign over everything except me, or God is sovereign over everything, and that he has set a plan in place to redeem his church to the praise of his glory. And that's really the method that God has chosen uh, to show his blessing to his church. So in summary, I mean, this is how the Father has blessed you. He chose you in Christ Jesus from from before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless before him. Um, He did so in Christ. I mean, he planned this all in Christ. I mean, the implications of this verse is really that Christ is eternal, that from before the foundations of the world, God set a plan in place that Christ, his son, would redeem mankind to show his blessing to the church through Christ. Uh, and that even you know, follows well with even what Jesus claimed about himself. I mean, Jesus claimed to be Lord. He claimed to be God. I mean, when he said to the Jews in, in John chapter 8 that before Abraham was, I am, that was a massive no, no, in the Jewish culture, because he was claiming to be the eternal son of God. He existed before creation itself. And even um, Paul even uses similar language in Colossians chapter 1. We won't go there this morning. You can look at, uh, look at that um, on your own. Um, but the next point I want to focus on, uh, just for time's sake, is uh, moving on to the gathering into Christ. Um, verse uh, number 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Um, so um, I, I really want us to see that we are redeemed in Christ. So, so I mean, we, we've already seen, let me, let's stand back a little bit. So what we've seen is God has set a plan in motion that he is blessing his church and he did so by his choosing. And the way he is doing this is through Christ. And Christ is the one who is fulfilling the purposes of God. So he's God, God is gathering his church into Christ. Uh, Christ is accomplishing God's salvation. And the first way that God has blessed us is that he has redeemed us in his son. So, but, but what are, exactly are we being redeemed from? Well, let's, let's really consider what the word redeemed is. I mean, redeemed really has the, the connotation of a transaction that is being taken place or something um, that um, is received through a means of payment. Um, so uh, when, when Paul says that we are being redeemed, it means that um, we are being bought with a, a price, that we have redemption through what? Through his blood. And we're being redeemed from sin. We're being um, bought back from being slavery into sin. Paul uses um, this phrase in Romans chapter 6, that we were once slaves to sin and in bondage to sin. And now we have been set free from sin to be slaves in bondage under Christ. That's his argument. Um, so we are redeemed from our sin. You know, we have been bought from our sin. Um, and we've also um, been, secondly, we've been saved from the wrath of God himself. Um, he, in chapter, later in chapter 2 in Ephesians, Paul says, that As for you, you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you 
uh, used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of this kingdom, kingdom of the air, the spirit that is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires of, and, and thoughts. Um, like, like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And that really brings us to our last point. Is, is really, it's, it's really because um, God desired to show us his grace. Uh, it's, it's all about grace, uh, folks, um, uh, in this passage. Um, so moving on, um, with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to, be, to, to put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring to unity all, um, all things in heaven and earth under Christ. So what is exactly being revealed in Christ? There, there's something being revealed, and that thing is, is a mystery, uh, Paul says. Um, so it says that this mystery has been made known to us. Um, you know, if, you've, if, you're a, um, if you're interested in, like, murder mysteries, I, like, we were Dateline fans when I was a kid. Like, we would always watch these murder mysteries, and there was always, you know, we have enough information to get a clue on really what's happening, but we really didn't really know the outcome, right? And that's a really b- maybe bad example, but much in a similar way, you know, throughout history, God has, in his wisdom, chosen not to give all the information at once, that he, he, he chose to progressively reveal his salvation to mankind. Um, and uh, you, you just think of the author of Hebrews when he says, I mean, in, these, in times past, God's spoken to, our, to the prophets, but now he has spoken to us by his son. And so this is the mystery that is being revealed, and that is the, the mystery that is in Christ. God, Christ um, has reveals the mystery um, of God's salvation to where it is no longer a mystery for us anymore. The, the mystery that I have in my mind is why God would even show grace in the first place. Um, and um, so, I mean, Paul in Colossians 1.26 even um, says that the mystery that has been kept hidden from ages and generations, so everyone in the Old Testament, right, this mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations is now being disclosed to the Lord's people to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what, what is Paul's point here in, in verse 8? I mean, your belief and understanding is possible only because God has revealed it to you, to you in Christ. Um, I mean, 1 Corinthians 2.6, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, uh, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age uh, that are coming to nothing, no, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden, and what God has destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, uh, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind cannot conceive, the things God has prepared for those who love him, and those things God has revealed to us by the Spirit in, in Christ. Uh, so God has, re- has revealed his gospel to us uh, through Jesus Christ, and uh, God is um, accomplishing his salvation through Christ. Uh, so a letter C on the, on the PowerPoint, uh, I think this passage also uh, 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 reveals to us that we've also been renewed in, in Christ. So what, what really is being renewed here? Um, and 
Um, so one is we're, things are being renewed in heaven and renewed on earth. So, I mean, all, all the plans of the Father are being carried out by the Son. And uh, make no mistake, I mean, these, these things will happen. It's, it has been planned. It's not, it's if, you know, if God's plans are going to happen, it's, 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 it's been determined that God's plans will happen. Um, for, um, um, uh, Paul states, it states it so well in Colossians uh, 1, 19 through 20, that um, for God was pleased to have all the fullness of him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on heaven or things in, um, on earth, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Um, next in verse 11, we, uh, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Lastly, I just really want to cons- us consider that we have been rescued in Christ. So uh, why would the Father rescue us. Um, and the reason why is, is really because he did it in love. I mean, in the previous verses, I mean, why did God choose, choose his church? He did it because he desired to show his love. And he did it because really, when it comes down to it, he did it because he wanted to. He did it because he was God. He desired to show his, his mercy and grace to us in Christ. And he did it for the praise of his glory. I mean, all these things are pointing us to the worship of the one who deserves our worship. Um, so we are being rescued in Christ. Um, um, next, I just want to lastly just touch just really quickly on the guarantee that we have by the Holy Spirit. Um, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Just really want to consider uh, two things in this passage. Um, I have the point up here that we are marked by the Spirit. I mean, I think it really shows that how we are preserved. So, I mean, the Father is planning. The Son is carrying out his salvation and, and revealing his gospel to us. And now that we have been brought into Christ, we are now marked with the Spirit, and we have been preserved by him. We are marked with a seal, This the, the passage says. This, this seal is, is, a, is a, a mark of possession, um, even in the previous verses, I mean, uh, the, the reason God chose us in Christ was also uh, to choose us as sons and daughters, to bring us into his family, that we are marked with him as a, a seal of ownership, that you are, you are no longer your own. Um, I mean, do we understand that this morning, that we, we, um, we have surrendered ourselves to Christ to do what he wants, what the Father wills? That, that's really our purpose. That's why he's He's even chosen us, um, just in the previous verses, I mean, the reason why even God chose us is that we would be holy and blameless before him. And holiness has the connotation of, of the responsibility of the believer, that now that we are in Christ, what we are pursuing is holiness and obedience to God. That when we are saved, a, a Christian will no longer have the desire to continue into sin without any repentance. I mean, can you, let us think about it. I mean, if, if the purpose of your salvation is for you to be holy and we are, we are, and we are refusing to obey God's word and we're in, uh, continuing in sin and have no remorse about it, I mean, really? Is, I mean, that totally misses the point as, as to which God, why God would save you. He did it so that we would be a holy and blameless people before him. 
Um, I mean, just think of Peter's words, right? I mean, we are a royal priesthood and his, his possession, right? I mean, we, we are not our own, that we are to do the will of God because he has graciously showed us his salvation in Christ. Um, but we are marked by him. We, we have been sealed uh, with his, the mark of ownership. And we've been included in Christ. I mean, the, the, the way we are included in Christ is upon hearing the message. That's what the text says. When you believed, um, uh, so uh, when you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. So hearing the gospel is a prerequisite to believing, right? And that really echoes Paul's words in Romans chapter 10. Of I mean, how could anyone know the gospel if someone isn't preaching to them? How are they to hear without a preacher? I mean, how are they to believe if no one is going to them? So hearing the word of the gospel is, is, um, is, is, um, you know, precedes uh, believing the gospel, right? Um, so it's not only hearing the gospel. I mean, uh, Paul uses the, the word, you were included when you heard the message of truth, but this really connotates an, an action that is involved in this. We're not only hearing. I mean, how many times do we listen uh, maybe to our mom when we were growing up? And we heard, we heard something, right? I mean, we heard uh, what she said, but we really didn't really put any action to it, right? I mean, the, the, the connotation here of heard is that there is a action that is, is um, uh, required, right? So there is a response to the message that is, that is required. Um, and so um, I, I would love to think that, I mean, I'm speaking to a room full of those who are in Christ, who are, who are believers, um, but I mean, maybe some of you have never really responded. Maybe you've heard the gospel. Maybe you know about the gospel. You never really responded to the gospel and, and faith and repentance, right? I mean, the, the, the way we are saved according to Scripture, and, it, and even um, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, Paul says, for by grace you are saved. Um, it's by grace that you're saved, and it's through faith. It's, it's not really of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Um, so have you, have you received, have you acted on the gift that God has freely given you? Um, and just closing, because um, just uh, going through these, I just want us to, I, I mean, Jay has his points to ponder. Uh, Jason has his food for thought. I was trying to think of a clever way, so I, I came up with matters to muse. And so I think I'll keep with that. But um, I just want to really consider these statements. Um, and from the, at the beginning, I made the statement that how we think about God really affects the way we worship him. Um, so, I mean, your view of God uh, directly relates to how you worship him, right? I mean, do you, I mean um, I'm just thinking of, of the prosperity gospel, right? I mean, how people think of their God is the God that they could maybe mooch off of, of, you know, I really, I really want these material blessings, so therefore I'm going to worship God, I'm going to do these things, so I could receive the material blessing that God wants me to have. And so they worship God in like manner, right? So how we view God directly relates to our worship of him. So my question to you is, how do you view God? Do you, do you view God as your Lord, as, as your King, as your Savior? And do we worship him in the adoration of our hearts, out of the, recognizing the grace that we've been given in Christ? And do we worship him out of fear, a fear as our Lord, Right? I mean, we've, we've been um, freed from the slavery and bondage to sin, but now we're uh, under slavery and bondage to Christ. He is our Lord. He is our master. And we serve him as our king. Um, so do, do we worship him out of fear? And also, uh, just thirdly, I mean, do we worship him um, out of homage as, 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 as our king? Uh, do we honor him as such? Um, 
And do we do it because we really want the things that God gives us? Or do we do do it, do we worship God because he is worthy of it? Um, And secondly, um, just considering, uh, second matter to muse, uh, your view of God directly relates to your understanding of the gospel. And I think this is so clear in this text. Uh, We've seen the Father has planned it, the Son is, is accomplishing it, and the Spirit seals it. So your view of God directly relates to your understanding of how the gospel affects you, of, of your understanding of the gospel. I think there, um, you know, I, I mentioned, especially when it comes to the matter of God's choosing, right, and his, his, uh, his, his foreknowledge of, of those he knew who would, uh, that he chose to be in, in the church, right? Uh, that, um, I, mean, I, I mean, do we really think of God as, as sovereign over everything except me, or, or do we view God as, as the sovereign Lord who is, is worthy and is able to do anything that he desires according to his, um, his nature, his good nature? Um, and thirdly, um, in your view of God directly relates to how you live each day. Um, so, I mean, because the Father has, has planned before the foundations of the world that we would be in Christ, and the purpose of that is that we would be a holy and blameless people. So, how, I mean, how are you, how are you living each week? I mean, do you come do you come here this morning uh, to to worship God? Um, and but th- throughout every day of, of the week, uh, you're um, just really giving no consideration of God at all, right? Um, and th- these truths, in the context, I mean, this this um, this context is really talking about the church of the the body of people, how God is saving for Himself a a body of people saving for himself sons and daughters. Um, but this has massive implications on how we live each day. Um, so, I mean, do, do we live in a way that is according to the gospel into which we have been saved and what we have been called to? Um, and um, I, so I just want to close um, with, uh, first, I want to pray, and then secondly, um, we'll sing... Um, the Lord is my salvation after this, because, um, you know, really considering, um, you know, this passage of scripture, I think this, this song is appropriate, uh, especially the bridge when it, uh, uh, the, the, the chorus uh, says, I mean, glory be to the Father, glory be to the Son, and glory be to the Spirit, because the Lord is my salvation. So we really have nothing to boast in. Um, I mean, every, every um, this, this song even, um, you know, you, has the the dimensions of like we're of, of everyday life. Right? I mean, um, no matter I mean, what I face in this life, um, in the uh, through a winter, we know that spring will come, right? I mean, the, the, he, um, the song uses this contrast, but it really focuses and points our attention on the worship of the God who deserves it. Um, and so let, let let me pray, and then we'll um, uh, uh, move on. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your truth. Um, Lord, we want to worship you this morning, and Lord, you have revealed the way in which you desire to be worshipped. Uh, we are to praise you because of what the Father has done, and what the, the Christ has accomplished, and what the Spirit has sealed us with. Lord, we desire to worship you because we have been brought into this gospel. We have been brought into Christ to be a holy people and blameless before you. And Lord, we are sealed as, as, a, as a people who are your possession. We have been redeemed uh, through the blood of Christ. We have been saved from our sin. Uh, we have been redeemed from sin. 
And Lord, we want to serve you because of that. We want to worship you. So Lord, help us through that this morning. Um, help, uh, help us worship you. And even as we take the table in just a couple minutes, Lord, uh, really help us consider where our hearts are. And um, Lord, do, do we desire to worship you as our, as our king? And um, Lord, I mean, are we harboring um, the, uh, any sin in our heart um, that would cause us to, um, Lord, to really question within ourselves of uh, maybe maybe our, our salvation, but Lord, uh, uh, Lord, help us remain faithful and holy, uh, holy people. And so Lord, help us, uh, help us worship you now when you pray this song in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, let's stand and we'll sing, The Lord is my salvation.